So we're going to look at Hebrews 13. We're going to split this up. Uh, so I'm going to read a couple verses, then I'm going to direct your attention to further in the chapter. And we're going to pick up a couple more so we can have a sermon all on spiritual leadership. So we're going to start in Hebrews 13, verse 7. Okay, Hebrews 13, verse 7. And the writer says, Remember your leaders who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those who devoted them. Okay, now stop there. We're going to jump ahead to verse 17. Okay, similar theme. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. Father, help us this morning. Uh, to rightly understand your truth, your Bible. God, we believe it's your word. And so, Lord, we want to receive it today and accept it and trust that you have a good plan for us. And, Father, that you're, you're perfect in every way. Your word is perfect. And, Father, we submit to it. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. There are several types of leaders spoken of in Scripture, okay? Have you noticed that? There's government, there's kings, prophets, priests, pastors, elders, deacons, teachers, husbands, and fathers, okay? And so when it says in verse 7, remember your leaders, and when it says in verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to them, who particularly is it talking about? I think particularly it is talking about the church. I think in the context it's pretty clear, uh, especially about those who watch over your souls, that it's talking about uh, spiritual leaders in the church. So this would involve pastors, it would involve uh, elders, Sunday school teachers, small group leaders, uh, deacons, uh, teachers of the word, those type of leaders in the church, okay? Uh, I would like for us today in many ways to broaden that out to the home as well. I think there's much application in pretty much everything we're going to say uh, for the home. So dads, husbands as well, I think those would be in the context uh, of who and what is talked about today in Hebrews chapter 13. Now, first thing I want to show you is that a building block, okay, a central characteristic of what does it mean to be a spiritual leader, okay? So when I think about what it means to be a pastor, what does it mean to be a, 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 a Sunday school teacher, what does it mean to be a Christian husband, a Christian father, okay? The, 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 the main big block in that is in verse 7. It says, remember your leaders, comma, those who spoke to you the word of God. Those who spoke to you the word of God, okay? Spiritual leadership is, 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 is confined by the, the, the communication of truth to others, to those in whom we're leading. Uh, here, here's a basic principle. You know how anything gets done in, in, in the spiritual life? In other words, how does, how does anybody get saved? How does anybody grow in their faith? How does anybody get victory over sin? How does anybody get encouraged and strengthened through difficult times? The answer to that is very clear. By the power of the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, 
and then usually the instrument of God's workers, okay? So that, that's how anything gets done in, in, in the spiritual world, okay? So if I grow in my faith, if I am born again, if I get saved, if, I, if I'm strengthened, if I'm, I'm victory, victorious over sin, it's going to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's going to be through the Word of God, okay? Not, that could be just me reading it, me meditating on it, but many times it is by leaders, other people in my life, speaking truth into my life, okay? So that, that's how the spiritual life works. That's the engine of the spiritual life. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, The Word of God is living, it's active, it's sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training, and righteousness, that the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. In James chapter 1, verse 21, uh, the Word of God, the Bible, is, is compared to seed that brings about new life. And it says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted Word, which is able to save your souls. Okay, so this is a big deal. This is a big deal. The Word of God is the means by which God accomplishes His work in our lives, okay? And so the most important job of a leader, okay, at the heart of what it means to be a spiritual leader, is that we speak God's truth one to another, okay? So what does it mean to be a good pastor? At the heart of that is that I deliver to you faithfully what does God's truth say? What does God's Word say? How do we interpret this? How do we think about this? How does this apply to our life, okay? So speaking God's truth. What does it mean to be an effective spiritual dad, okay? So I want to be a, a good leader in my family, a good leader in my wife, good leader in my kids. Well, what's at the heart of that? It, it is learning to speak God's truth to my family, okay? That, that's at the heart of spiritual leadership. And, and so, so listen, you know, in the church that's formal many times, right now, look how, look how patient you guys are doing. You're not doing anything else. You're not cooking lunch. You're not cleaning. You know, some of you may be playing a game on your phone or something that I can't see. I don't know. But right now, you're just pretty much just patiently allowing me to teach you the Word of God, okay? Now, in a family, a lot of times, it, it, it's not as formal, right? Tomorrow morning, Monday morning, is our family Bible study, and so I'll go get donuts. I'll bribe them somehow. You know, I'll get donuts or those little, those little tasty cinnamon roll things at McDonald's. I'll get something, and I'll, and I'll bring it to my family. We'll all sit down at the table, and we'll have our, the Word of God, and we're going through the book of Mark. And we'll read a passage, we'll talk about it, we'll see how we can obey it, how we can apply it, we'll pray, and we'll all go about our business, okay? But for the rest of the week, really, it's pretty informal, okay? It's me talking to my kids out playing Frisbee, uh, sharing God's truth. It's me, you know, praying with my wife, encouraging her in a certain way. But, it, but it's more informal the way that we speak God's truth as a family, right? But it's still spiritual leadership, right? So when, you're, when your child lies, your grandchild lies, you know, hey, did you eat the last cookie? Boom, you know, and you're like, man, I know you lied. Uh, listen, you know, let me tell you something. You know, you're going to be punished for that because we don't lie in our family. But I want you to know something even more important. The more important thing is you need to know that Jesus is truth. You know, the Bible says he is truth. And the Bible says in John 8 that the devil is a liar and the father of all lies. Okay, you need to understand that. And depending on how big your kid is, you may even pull out Revelation 21 that all liars go to hell. You know, it's in there, all right? And, and you know, don't tell your preschooler that. You'll scar them. But, you know, if they got a bigger, you know, just, hey, look, this is a big deal, right? So that's a way that we speak God's truth to each other in, in informal ways. In, in a family, 
In a church, it's not only the formal ways of, of right here, but it's a small group. We're going to share God's truth with one another. In Sunday school, you probably shared God's truth around your tables in conversation and sharing. Um, you're going to meet together in groups this week, you know, having lunch, having dinner, uh, going to each other's house. And it's a sharing of God's truth, speaking, encouraging things out of the Word of God to one another, okay? That is at the heart of spiritual leadership. Now, some of you, I think, are probably here and you're like, you know what? I have no idea how to do that. I have no idea how to do that. I, I, I hear what you're saying, Pastor Jason, that I want to be a spiritual leader, and that at the heart of that, it is, it is those who speak God's word to one another. That's at the heart of spiritual. If I'm going to lead people to Christ, then I need to, I need to use God's word. So I don't know how to do that. How do I do that? Let me give you a practical word of encouragement, okay? Here's what I think you should do. If you have no idea how to do that, here's what I think you should do. I think you should have a Bible reading time, just you, in the morning, early in the morning, okay? So let's say you're... You're reading through Hebrews, okay? So you get to chapter 13, you read the passage we just read, and you try to pick out a verse that kind of sticks out to you, you know, that, that's something you're like, oh man, that's a good truth. Oh man, I really like that, okay? So let's say it's verse eight, all right? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you're like, man, that's really cool that Jesus never changes. He never changes, all right? So that's what you got in your quiet time, all right? So you get a little scrap piece of paper, and you write that down, or you put it on your phone, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then... That day, you, you, you intentionally strive to use that verse in somebody else's life, okay? So you intentionally strive to have an opportunity to speak that truth to somebody else, okay? So you go and you're done with your quiet time, you're ready to eat breakfast, you pour your fruity pebbles, get your milk, you know, you sit down, you got Fox News on, your wife comes in, she's eating her, uh, her cranberries and grapefruit, and you're sitting there watching Fox News, and, and, and on the news, you know, the Democrats and the Republicans, you know, they used to believe this on immigration, now they've got a new stance all of a sudden, you know, here's a new deal, that they're gonna, all right? and you look over at your wife and you're like, man, isn't it, isn't it cool? That Jesus never changes. You know, you know what the Bible says, honey? The Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay? What'd you just do? You used the Word of God, right? You used it. Okay? Now, I don't know how effectively. I don't know if that was, you know, a big deal. Uh, maybe, I don't, maybe it was. You just, you just speak God's Word. See what He does with it, right? You're like, man, Jesus never changed. He doesn't change His mind. You know, He doesn't say, hey, today, salvation is by grace. Tomorrow, new deal. Okay, here's what we're doing tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow, we're doing salvation by money, you know? You got to give a million dollars. Oh, man, I'm in trouble, you know? All right, so... Isn't it great that Jesus doesn't change, right? He doesn't change, right? Then later you go to work and the boss comes out. All right, guys, we got a new form we got to fill out if you're going to, you know, sell this product. You got to fill out this new acquisition form. And he leaves the room and you're like, gosh, guys, man, this stuff changes every day. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says Jesus Christ never changes. It says he, you know, he's the same yesterday, today, forever, okay? Now, in that situation, honestly, if it goes down just like that, there's probably going to be an awkward silence and people are going to be like, that was weird, okay? But you're, you're practicing, right? You're pra- well, my point is you got to practice to get good at something, don't you? And if every day you will take a scripture and you'll say, man, I want to use this. I want to use it some way for good in somebody's life. You know what will happen after a year, two years, 10 years? You'll get really good at that. 
okay? When it won't be awkward, okay? You'll learn to weave that into a conversation. You'll learn to, whatever way the, the, the mood is going or the conversation's going, you'll learn to, to use that in an effective way in people's lives, okay? And so what does it mean to be a spiritual leader? It means that you speak the word of God to people, okay? The word of God's got life. The word of God brings life. And so as a leader, we want to bring people to the word. We want to bring them to the thing that will save their soul, that will give them strength, that will bless their life, all right? Now, is that the only thing about spiritual leadership? Absolutely not, okay? Keep reading in verse 7. Not only is it speaking the word, but notice the rest of verse 7. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith, okay? Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Now, this is a heavy verse. I told my wife last night, we were sitting outside around our fire pit, no fire. We were just sitting, I was watering the lawn, and I was taking a break, and I said, man, honey, and I read her that verse, and I said, man, is that not heavy? Is that not heavy? You know, that what it means to be a leader is, is that I'm not only bringing God's truth to people, but I'm also taking that truth, attempting to live it out in my life in a way that people can see it. That's a heavy thing, but it's part of spiritual leadership. Part of spiritual leadership is people seeing our faith. They're seeing, here's what faith looks like in a marriage. Here's what it looks like as a parent. Here's what it looks like as a worker. Here's what it looks like spending money. Here's what it looks like when you're sick. Here's what it looks like when you're well. Here's what it looks like when you move. Here's what faith looks like lived out in people's lives. And friends, that is a powerful thing to be able to see that in the lives of those who lead you, to be able to see faith lived out. Notice it says, imitate their faith. Imitate their faith. Now, now, a small small, uh, point of, of correction here. It does not say, imitate all their actions, okay? See, we're not always called to do that, okay? My pastor would probably be, the guy I would consider my pastor, his name's Kenny Qualls. He's been here a couple times, done revivals. You know, almost every decision uh, that I have to make in my life, if it's a big one, I call my pastor, I, I text him, email him. Hey, Kenny, what do you think about this? Man, he, he's a guy who loves me. He's a guy who's in the word. He lives out faith. But listen, I don't imitate everything about Kenny's life, okay? Kenny's a huge Cardinals fan, okay? Michelle and Andrew would love him, all right? But he's a huge Cardinals fan. I'm not a Cardinals fan. In fact, I kind of, always take the, uh, uh, I think it's the, is it the White Sox? Who does Michelle hate? The Cubs. She hates the Cubs, okay? So I usually root for the Cubs just to, just to be annoying, actually, in the office. And so, you know, I'm just not, I'm not actually not a huge baseball fan even. Uh, I like it, but just not that into it. Um, my pastor, he goes fishing every year on Table Rock Lake. That's where he spends his vacation. They have like a cabin or something there. That's not me. You know, he worked at a zoo. Man, I'll tell you what. If you're going to be a pastor, one of the best things you can do is work at a zoo for about five years. He had incredible illustrations, you know, elephant stampedes. I mean, you know, lion attacks. I mean, man, you just got a wealth of stories, you know. So that's Kenny. But listen, I don't need to imitate Kenny's, all of his actions. You know, a lot of people have gotten in trouble by doing that. You know, how many of you heard of Mark Driscoll? Have you heard of Mark Driscoll? He's a pastor in Seattle and he's kind of a hip, cool guy, you know. And, and, and one of the things about Driscoll's preaching, if you ever listen to it, he gets up and he yells at everybody, you know. I mean, he just, yeah, you know, he calls you stupid, you know, he says, you know, what in the world, you know, he's like throwing things and, you know, he's just, you know, ranting and raving and, and, and it works, you know, he does it, he gets up and says, you bunch of sinners, you know, and everybody's like, oh, you're right, you know, and they all repent, you know, well, there's a bunch of pastors who really, they love Driscoll, and so they get up and they try the same thing, guess who's crying, yeah, 
as they were loading their moving truck, they're crying. Not, you know, somehow it didn't work, okay? And so we're not always to imitate everybody's, you know, lie. I mean, we're all different, right? But you know what we are to imitate? Faith, okay? When we see people trusting Christ, depending on Christ, loving Christ, treasuring Christ, that's what you imitate, all right? And sometimes it is their actions, their faith-born actions. But, but, but we're not trying to be somebody else. We're trying, to, we're trying to see faith lived out and imitate that, okay? So I'm not a Cardinals fan. I don't fish at Branson. I, I guess I might. I might be okay with that. Uh, but, but what I did try to imitate is my pastor's faith in God's provision, I'd been there about a year and a half. Our little church had grown from about 30 to 50, 60 maybe. Uh, Kenny was a student where I was a student. We were both going to school. I was a Sunday school teacher. And on on an October night, I believe it was, uh, arsonists came through and they burned down all the churches on, on a certain road north of Springfield. And our church was one of them. Burned it to the ground. Uh, we did have insurance. I think it was like $15,000, something like that. Uh, I mean, it wasn't enough. to. We didn't know what we were going to do. My pastor, he calls us together that next worship time. We, we were at a meeting at a temporary facility. Somebody uh, let us meet on their property. And, and he tells us, guys, we're going to trust God. You know, we, I don't know why this happened. I, I, you know, I'm sorry. It's a tragedy. We loved our church building and our place. But we're going to trust God. And we're going to see God's going to do incredible things. And indeed, God did incredible things. Those next three years were times of incredible growth. And God gave us a, a new piece of property and, and money to build. And we built a church that was two or three times bigger than, than the one we were in. And, and by the end of the building, we were up to like 250, 300 people. And by the end of when Kenny left there, seven or eight years later, they were on like 750. And so, you know, I, I got to imitate his faith. I got to see him trust God in a hard situation and imitate that. That's part of leadership, okay? That's part of leadership. Now, here's where we, so far I get all amens, right? Amen, brother, amen. All right, good, good, good. All right. Here's where you're going to be like, uh-uh, all right? Verse 17, all right? Two words that Americans do not like. Verse 17, obey, that's one, your leaders, and submit, boy, that one's hated, isn't it, to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. Obey and submit. As Americans, we do not like those words, okay? When we hear the words obey and submit, we pull out the last Roman candle from the other night, right? We light that baby, shoot it off, and while it's exploding in the air, we yell, freedom! And we pull out our handguns and shoot them in the air, right? That's what we do, Americans, right? Bam, bam. Nobody's going to take away my friend. I'm not going to submit to anybody. I'm not going to obey anybody, right? We have that kind of independent revolutionary spirit okay which is awesome except except in the spiritual realm okay in the spiritual realm here's here's the reality i need people okay i don't know maybe you're still shooting your gun off in your head i don't know but i'll just i'll just tell you the truth i pastor jason dirks i need people watching over my life before I make any major decision, before I buy a car, before I buy a house, before I make, spend any kind of large amount of money, uh, before I make any kind of decision in the church, before I make any kind of decision with my family, there's a group of men that I submit myself to. And I say, guys, tell me if this is a good decision or a bad decision. Pray with me about this. I, I, just, I don't know. I, I just, I feel like that is biblical. I, I feel like I need that as a sinner. 
I need that. I need people looking after my life. And in my mind, honestly, obey and submit are not terrible words, okay? They're not terrible words because they're words that describe our Lord Jesus Christ. They are Christ-like characteristics. Hebrews 5.8 is an incredible verse. It's talking about Jesus and it says, Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Okay? It wasn't that Jesus didn't know obedience and then he learned it. No. He came to, to earth and he let go of the privileges of his divinity. And even though he was 100% God, he was God of gods, one with the Father and one with the Holy Spirit, even though he is, he is King of kings and Lord and lords, even though he is the creator and sustainer and owner and shaper of the world, even though Jesus is all of that, Jesus submitted himself to God the Father. Jesus obeyed. Okay, He learned obedience in, in living out his earthly life. He, this this is a guy who, who, who spoke the galaxy into existence and he washes the disciples' feet, okay? Is that not beautiful? That is a beautiful picture, okay? I want to be like that. I want to be a submissive guy. I want to be submissive to the Lord and submissive to the Word of God even when it's spoken to me by other people, okay? I know in, in, in the words obey and submit, I know you can tell me a thousand ways that could go bad, okay? And, and, and I agree with them, Okay? There's, there's crackpots out there. There are leaders who are not good leaders. They're not men of God. They're not, they don't love their people. They don't love their families. I agree with that. I understand that. I know that. Okay. Had a young lady in the first service come up to me afterward, and she's not from here. She was visiting, and she said, man, I know exactly what you're talking about, Pastor. I, I'm living this out in my own life right now, in my own church. There's, there's, there's men in my church who are not godly men who are, who are not leading us well. And she goes, I'm, just, I'm, I'm fighting to submit and to obey and to just honor God, okay? And I know there's a thousand of those ways it can go bad, but here's what I'm telling you. There's a million other ways it could go really good, okay? There's a million other ways that that it's a gift of God, okay? When you have people in your life who are speaking God's truth, they're not trying to trick you. They're not trying to take advantage of you. They're they're just speaking God's truth to you for your good, and they're living that, that, that word out in front of you. That's an incredibly great gift of God. We need that, do we not? If we don't need that, then why do we parent our kids? Why don't we just immediately teach them to read, give them a Bible and say, good luck, buddy, it's all in there, okay? You just, all you gotta do is read it, you know? It's right there. No, we know that that, that they need something else. They need people in their life who love them and who speak truth to them and who discipline them and encourage them and comfort them and rebuke them and, and, and confront them in their sin. We know that they need that. Are we saying that we have risen above that completely? I have not. I still need spiritual leadership in my life, okay? And I think we all need that. And it's a gift of God. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 says, And God has given, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. He gave them to the church to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. God has given spiritual leaders to the church for the good of this, the church. And, and our church is the same way. You know, I've I've been here uh, 17 years. I've been here with Pastor Andrew for 14 years. Pastor Andrew is my pastor. Okay, there there have been many times in the 14 years where Pastor Andrew has spoken a difficult word to me, where he's he's he I've come to him, I've said, Man, here's, here's what I'm going through. What do you think? He spoke God's truth even when it was hard. And many times I've submitted to him under that and been blessed by that. And I cannot think of one time that he has tried to tr- trick me or fool me or, you know, I mean, 
There's a million ways where this goes right. And again, I know there's ways it goes wrong, but there's a million ways that it goes right. And God has instituted authority and leadership for a reason, okay? Government is God's idea. Did you guys know that? It's God's idea. Romans 13, 1, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. I know that's a hard verse to swallow, isn't it, right? We just got out that other Roman candle in our gun, right? And, and we're looking at some of our leaders, and we're like, I, you know, we want to shoot Romans 13, 1, right? We're blow it right out of the Bible. Here's the truth is the Scriptures don't lie. You know, God has put rulers and policemen and soldiers and government in place for our good. Are there bad men in there? Absolutely. Absolutely. But it doesn't take away of the good that comes from that. Okay? I really don't want to live in a country where there's no government. Okay? I don't want to live in a country where everybody, everybody just does what, what they want, what they think is right. Man, that's a disaster. I'd rather have a bad government than I would, uh, than I would that. Anarchy. Okay? So government is God's idea. Parental authority is God's idea. Check the Ten Commandments. Okay? Husbands and fathers leading their families. That's God's idea. 1 Corinthians 11 Verse 3, I want you to understand the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, the head of Christ is God. Okay, it's God's idea. And pastors, elders, spiritual teachers, uh, Sunday school teachers, small group leaders, those, those are all God's idea. They're God's plan to do us good. Are all leaders good? Again, no. Are there some false teachers? Yes. And look, look at where this passage goes. Verse 7, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider their way of life, imitate their faith. Verse 8, Jesus Christ never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Verse 9, don't be led away by diverse and strange teachings. For it's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by food, which, which have not benefited those devoted to them. So in the middle of telling us to, to respect leadership, to obey and submit to leadership, he also says, hey, but watch out for false teachers, okay? In, 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 in the day of, of the writer of Hebrews, there were people coming around saying, hey, you know what? You get strengthened spiritually, not just by grace, not just by the Word of God, but also by what you eat, you know? Have these berries, have a little granola, have some whip on it. Man, you're good, you know? Don't eat that. I mean, no, no. The writer of Hebrews is saying, look, you've got to be careful of people teaching things that are not biblical, Okay? And so that's real. We have to be careful of false teachers. In fact, we should be incredibly careful and cautious of who we put up as a leader. That's a big deal. It's a big deal at Lincoln Avenue. Okay? We, we, we don't want to put people up as leaders that are not ready for that, that they don't have sound doctrine, that, whose lives don't match what they teach. We, be care, we, we should be careful and cautious on who we hire as a pastor. That's one of the reasons that we're really careful with who we hire. You know, we, we don't... I don't know if you've been a part of the search committee process at Lincoln for the last 20 years, but we don't just look on, on, on the website, you know, and get somebody resumes of people who want to be a pastor. We, we, we want to know who they are. You know, Pastor Andrew, we knew who he was. We knew his service record. We knew people who knew him. We, we'd watched his ministry, okay? Pastor Daniel, we'd watched him since he was in diapers. And even despite his life through his teenage years, we still hired him because he's got changed by the grace of God, okay? We saw that in his life. We saw him change. We saw his ministry. We saw his character. Pastor Matt, I mean, he's a guy we've been watching for 10 years on the mission field, okay? We try to take that serious, okay? Not that we won't make a mistake someday. That might happen. Man, they did in the Bible. Judas was one of the 12, right? I mean, we, we understand that happens, but we also understand that leadership is a big deal, so we're cautious and careful with who we hire. 
with who we, bring, who we put in the small group position, who we put as a teacher. Girl, young ladies, who you marry, okay? One of the questions a young lady ought to ask when she is courting a young man, can I, will I follow the spiritual leadership of this guy? And it's amazing. I'll have premarital counseling. And you know what a lot of gals say? You know, I say, hey, is this, is this a spiritual leader? Can you follow this guy? And you know what they say? Well, not yet, but I'm really working on him. And I just know that God, that God has called me to change this guy. He's called me to shape this guy and, and make him into, into, into what he needs to be, okay? Hey, ladies, that is a disastrous idea, okay? Uh, that's it. Tell your, tell your grandkids, tell your daughters. That's, a, you know, that's not God's place for a young lady is to change a guy, okay? So be careful. Leadership is a big deal. Now, is it important that we, uh, that we keep the leaders accountable? Absolutely. 1 Timothy chapter 5, listen to this. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. Okay, but verse 20. As for those who persist in sin, that's elders, teachers, pastors, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. Okay, now what that verse says is we ought to be careful with, with, with bringing an accusation against an elder, against a pastor. But when an elder or pastor shows himself to be departing from scriptural truth or living in moral sin, what do we need to do? What we need to do is we need to, we need to have some men, some godly men, confront that guy, confront him in, in, in his life. And then if he does not repent, verse 20 is a, is a hard verse, but it says we need to actually bring that guy up in front of others and, and make sure that, that, that they... That, that he is rebuked publicly because it's a big deal to be a pastor, an elder, a leader in the church, okay? Now, uh, these words that we're afraid of, obey and submit, um, they're for our blessing, okay? And here's why they're for our blessing. Verse 17, obey your leaders, submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. Let me just ask you this. Do you have anybody that's looking after your soul? Bigger question. Do you want anybody to look after your soul? Okay. Now we know what it is to look after somebody's physical body, right? That's when we are like, hey, hey, buckle up, right? Buckle your seatbelt. You know, hey, hey, wear your helmet. You know, I was on my scooter the other night and I'm driving out of the parking lot. Somebody kind of corners me with their pickup. And they roll down their window, where's your helmet? You know, hey, they're looking after me, right? They're, 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 they're caring for my physical body, right? Well, we know what that means, you know? Hey, eat the right thing, honey. You know, should you really have four Twinkies, you know? Is that really good for you, you know? Have you taken your high blood pressure bill? Have you went to Dr. Kirk? Yeah, I mean, right, we know what it is to take care of somebody's physical body. But let me ask you, who takes care of your soul, Okay. Biblical leadership is for the purpose of keeping watch over your soul, over your spiritual life, okay? Over that part of you that's going to live forever, okay? What are the things that threaten your soul? Unbelief threatens your soul, okay? Drifting away from the Word of God. Man, just looking through Hebrews, there's some great images here that we've already been through. Remember Hebrews 2, verse 1? Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. You know, who's watching after your spiritual life to see if you're drifting? You know, maybe you were here, and you're really loving God, you're obeying God, you're trusting God, you're walking with God. But, but what happens? At times, we drift, right? We get lazy, 
right? We, we get apathetic. We go through a trial. We go through a struggle. We stop not believing. We stop not trusting. We, we, we start not reading the Bible. And pretty soon we've drift, drifted. You need somebody in your life to say, hey, brother, what's going on? You were here. Now you're here. Man, what can I do? You know, hey, let me encourage you with the scriptures, okay? What threatens your soul? Sin threatens your soul. Rebellion threatens your soul. Broken relationships, heresy, false teaching, believing lies, being unresponsive to God's word, all those things threaten your soul. And we need people that are watching out for our souls, okay? Now, how do you watch out for somebody's soul? How do you watch for that? Okay, several ways. Observation, first of all, okay? Some, you know, one of the ways that we do this as a pastoral team is we just observe the church as a whole. What direction is the church going? You know, what direction is our ministry going? You, you guys probably see Peggy taking role in this service, okay? She does that in, in three of our services, and Dana does it in the other one. Why do we do that? Do we do that so we know how many people are here? No, we could actually do that in a lot easier way than, than that. We could do that by going one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You know, we'd have just have someone up here, count it. We'd be done if that's what we wanted. That's not what we want to know. What we want to know is who's here, who's not here? You know, and, and for how long have they been gone? Oh my, oh my, let's look through the, wow, that person's been gone three months. Okay, what, what's happened? Does anybody know? Does anybody, has anybody made contact? Okay, do we always do that perfectly? No, we don't, okay? But, but here's the deal. We, we want to try to keep watching your soul by, by observation, by conversation and questions. Shortly after I came here, I was right out in this hallway and uh, just visiting with people. And I came up to a lady Man, just pillar in our church, great Christian lady. And I said, hey, how you doing? She said, fine. I said, how's your faith? Are you fighting the good fight of faith? And she's like, why do you want to know? And I said, well, I'm, I'm just asking a question. You know, I said, how are you doing your faith? She says, what have you heard? And I said, nothing, you know. Nothing, I haven't heard anything. It, I'm just trying to be a good pastor to you, you know. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to think, how are you doing, man? How are you doing your faith? How, you, how are you doing you know, how is it with your soul? That, that's, okay, observation, conversation, questions, serving together, worshiping together, preaching, teaching, spiritual discussion, all those ways that we watch out for each other's souls. Now, here's a practical point of view. Some of you may be asking yourself, why does this church do small groups, okay? The reason we do small groups is that I cannot have a conversation with 500 people. I can't have a conversation with 400 people today, okay? I can't even do that this week, all right? And so what do, we, what do we constantly need to be pushing toward? We constantly need to be pushing toward leaders in this church who gather with believers and they look after each other's soul, okay? We've chosen to really push that in small groups. It happens in Sunday school, hopefully. It happens in Bible studies throughout the week. Hopefully it happens in accountability groups, okay? Hopefully there's this tier of of, of, of ways in which we look out for each other's soul. But, but that's the way it's got to happen, okay? One pastor, a team of pastors can't, can't do that for everybody. That's why in Hebrews chapter 3, when it tells us, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another, one another, every day. Hebrews chapter 10 Verse 24, 24, yeah. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. One another. That's, that's spiritual leadership on a small scale. We're looking out for each other's souls. 
Hey, can I, can I ask? I'm going to ask a whole bunch of you here in the next five minutes, okay? Ten minutes. So get ready, all right? But the first thing I'm going to ask of you is please do not play hide and seek, okay? Um, hide and seek is fine with your kids, okay? Hide and seek in the church is not so fine, okay? Now, there is definitely a place for when you try out a new church, right? You're just visiting. What do you want to know? All right, is this guy speaking God's truth? Does he preach the Bible? All right, you go to Sunday school. What do you want to know? Man, this Sunday school teacher, do they, 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 do they speak truth? Do they bring the truth? Is there a conversation? Okay, you go to a small group. Hey, do these guys love each other? You know, there, there's a place for that. But once you figure out, this is my home. This is my church. No more hide and seek, okay? Now, now what you should want is, I want people to know me. I want people to know me. I, I want them to know who I am. I want them to know what's going on in my life. I want, I want to know where I'm at, and, and, I, and I'm going to work at that. I'm going to work at that. I, I'm not going to try to hide from them. I'm going, to, I'm going to try to let them know who I am and what's going on in my life. I want you to do that because I want you to understand this is a big deal for us. Because listen to this. Obey your leaders, submit to them for the keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. I really believe Dads and fathers will give an account for families. I believe that small group leaders will give an account for small groups. I believe Sunday school teachers will give an account for what they taught in Sunday school. James 3, 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. I would believe that pastors will give an account, not, not so much for results, But for what did we speak? What spiritual truth do we speak? How did we care for and love the people that God entrusted to us? And my friends, that's a sobering thing. That's a a big thing for us. Final thing I'm going to ask of you. Verse 17. The last sentence, okay? Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. All right, now listen, don't, don't check out on me yet because this, this is the part I really want to get to. One of the most important things in my ministry is that I stay happy doing this, okay? That this is a joy to me. That opening up the Word of God and studying and preparing a sermon and teaching and meeting with guys during the week and, and going through chapters of the Bible and, and, and doing man up on Wednesday, presenting biblical manhood and principles from the Bible, that, that I stay happy in that and that I stay happy in, in, in watching over a family of believers, okay? That is incredibly important for me and for you. Number one, for me, I, I, I can't do this groaningly, okay? Do you notice that? That's the two choices, okay? Let them do so with joy and not with groaning. But number two, it would be no, of no advantage to you. In my 20 years of ministry, here's what I've seen. Whenever a pastor starts coming in to that Monday morning pastor's meeting and he starts being frustrated, hey, how's it doing, brother? Ah, you know, I'm just, ah, man, I'm just not happy with my people, and man, I got this deacon that's fighting me, and I got this and that, and I'm tired, and you know, I was preaching, and a you know, sermon. Okay, that guy is going to lose his effectiveness, okay? There's jobs you can do well while groaning, and there's jobs you cannot, 
I drove a tractor in eastern Colorado. Have you ever been to eastern Colorado? There's no people, okay? And when you're, when you're 16 years old and, and you want to be with your buddies, okay, and your dad drags you out to eastern Colorado where the, the, there's no people for miles and miles and miles and you're on a tractor for 16 hours a day, I was groaning, okay? I mean, I hated it just every day, drive, tractor, okay? But I did a good job. I did a good job for my dad. I mean, I did, I did a good job on the fields, but I was not happy in it, okay? That works, okay? That does not work in ministry, okay? If I'm not happy in preaching, if I'm not happy in loving people, the Spirit of God, the power of God is not going to be present, okay? And so whenever we're at Team Kids and you see that teacher come in all frazzled, you know, and she comes into her class and she's like, oh, he's here again. Oh, you know, ah, you know, and I'm like, let's get this thing over with. You know, come on, come on, kids, come on. All right, here's the lesson today. Quiet, quiet. All right, whenever we see that, here's what we've got to know. We've got to help that person get happy in their ministry. And if they can't get happy in their ministry, they need to serve somewhere else. Okay? Because there is no effectiveness in ministry that is done with a heart of groaning. Okay? And so, so I'm, just, I'm just giving you a little insight into, into, into my life as a pastor. I've got to work hard to be happy in the Word. I've got to work hard to, to get things out of the Scriptures all week long for my own soul. I've got to work hard at being grateful for what God has done. I've got to work hard at, at loving the people of God. Because when there's no joy in ministry, there's no effectiveness in ministry. Now, here's what I'm going to ask of you. Would you help me with that? Would you help Pastor Daniel be happy in the ministry? Would you help Pastor Andrew and Pastor Matt? Would you help your small group leader? Would you help, would you help your Sunday school teacher? Would you help the people who lead you to be joyful in their ministry? Pastor, how can we do that? I'm glad you asked. All right, here's how you can do that. There's lots of ways, but here's, here's four, okay? Third John, verse four. I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. How can you help us be joyful? By responding to the Word of God. Man, I got a, I got a letter on Wednesday or so of this week. I preached on money last week, remember that? On being content. And, and I got a letter from this lady in our church. And, and in the letter she said, man, Pastor, I heard what you said on Sunday. I heard what you said about money. I heard what you said about being content. And so this week I have done this. And it's been a great joy to me to have this victory in my life. Man, that gives me joy in the ministry. That, that overcomes a lot of, of hardship and unresponsiveness. Okay? Okay, so, so how, how can you, in your small group, man, don't sit there like a zombie, okay? You know, I mean, give something. You know, give a, a word of encouragement. Share a little bit in your life. Seek to take home those principles and live those out. That will be so encouraging to your small group leader, to your Sunday school teacher, okay? So number one, walk in the truth. Number two, live in harmony with one another. I tell you what, what a great blessing to have a church that's loving on each other. I love it to see my church care for each other. I love to see my church encouraging each other and enjoying each other. Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. Complete my joy of being in the, by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. I know that we've got stinkers in this church. I know we do. I, I know. I'm not going to name them. But I, we do, Okay. Uh, in fact, your list would probably be different than mine. I'm probably on your list, as, as a matter of fact. Uh, that's just a reality. I, I know that. I know that, okay? But, 
Instead of, instead of having the heart of, man, I'm not having nothing to do, man, that person irritates me, man, I, you know, I'm so sick of, you know, okay, instead of that, we need to have a heart of, I'm going to work hard to love my church, my small group, my Sunday school class. I'm going to work hard to love my, my faith family, okay? As a parent, how hard is it? Some of you have, some of you have experienced this, and it's brutal. How hard is it to have one of your kids say, if he's coming to Christmas, if my brother's coming to Christmas, I'm not coming. What's that do to a parent? Man, it just rips her guts out, doesn't it? Okay, we're a faith family, aren't we? I know not on the level of your physical family, but we're a faith family. We've got to work hard to love each other. Number three, don't have a small vision. The gospel is big, is it not? The gospel of Jesus that he, he has accomplished our salvation through his work for us, through his righteous life and, and his death on the cross for us, that we might come to him and be united in faith and be transformed and given a new heart and a new mind and begin to walk in faith. That's big. Let's, let's be about that, okay? Now, there's a whole lot of other small stuff in there. There's a whole lot of small stuff. Jeff, what kind of tile are you putting in the new bathrooms over there? Oh, I hate that stuff. Oh, what color is it? Oh, why tan? Oh, when's the business meeting? When is it? Okay. All right. See, that sucks the joy right out of a church, okay? I mean, for real. Who cares? We're going to walk on it, you know? I mean, we're going to try to make it look nice, but you know what? There's a whole lot of stuff in a church that we don't have to be cranked up about. We can keep our mind on the big things. Finally, number four, ready? This is just a personal one. I know I'm being selfish here. Give us the benefit of the doubt. Give your leaders the benefit of the doubt. You know what 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says? It says, love, how's it go? Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. On matters of doctrine, be incredibly firm. If I get up here and speak things that are not biblical, get the leaders of this church together, have them meet. If they decide it is not biblical, confront me. If I do not repent, remove me. On matters of open moral sin, okay? If I get a girlfriend, okay, get the elders together, have them confront me. If I do not repent... Actually, even if I do repent, I probably still need to be removed. But on matters of personality, on matters of social etiquette, what do I mean by social etiquette? Did, I, did Pastor Daniel look high? <laughs> did he look high? <laughs> Strike that. Did Pastor Daniel look happy when he said hi to you? Maybe he didn't. You know, maybe he was like, you're like, hey, Pastor Daniel. And he's like, hi. You know, I, I don't know. Who knows what's going on? Give him grace, you know. Maybe Whitney just, you know, told him that he's been a bad husband, you know. And he's, he's all upset. About, I don't know. But there's certain things. Please give grace, okay. Now, if it happens 30 days in a row, all right, there's a problem. Let's, let's figure it out, okay. But on certain things, give grace. On matters of organization, did someone forget to make an announcement? They probably did. You know, but it wasn't because they hate you. 
You know, I mean, is there a misspelled word in the bulletin? Probably, you know, I mean, uh, on matters of our families, give grace. I don't know what it's like to be a pastor's kid. I was a farmer's kid. You know, nobody had any expectation of me. In fact, they knew my family. And, you know, if I made it not in jail, they probably would have thought, wow, he's doing well, you know. So I, I had zero. You know, going through high school, zero. Nobody expected anything of me. Nothing. I don't know what it's like for everybody to expect you to be a certain way. Dr. Kirkendall is having me read a book by John Piper's son, Barnabas Piper. And he basically commanded me, which I've got, again, submissive. He said, you need to read this book. I said, okay, I will. Give grace. Give grace. Give grace to Whitney. Give grace to Emma, Michelle. Give grace. Finally, pray for us. We're out of time. Verse 18, pray for us. Pray for your leaders. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for my church. God, I love this family. God, thank you for how you've used them to help me to grow, to help me to to have victory over sin, to help me to love you more, to see you more, to worship you better. God, I'm so thankful for a church, God, that has, has blessed me. And Father, I pray that you would help us to lead well. God, I pray for our leaders. I pray for Sunday school teachers, small group leaders. I pray for our deacons. I pray for our pastors. I pray, Father, that you would help us to be godly leaders. I pray for our dads, our husbands, that, Lord, that, that our men would, would, would lead well. God, help us with that. Help us to be people that, that obey and submit uh, to your word and to your will. In Christ's name, amen.